Welcome to Integrative Oncology Talk, where we discuss the latest science and opinions from leading voices in integrative oncology. Integrative oncology utilizes complementary therapies and lifestyle strategies to help those affected by cancer using personalized approaches and evidence-based recommendation. This podcast is hosted by Dr. Santosh Rao, a medical oncologist and integrative oncologist, Dr. Judith Lacey, a supportive care and integrative oncology physician, and Lee Leibel, an oncology mind-body therapist. With support from the Society for Integrative Oncology, an international multidisciplinary organization whose mission is to advance the science and education of integrative oncology worldwide. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of the participants workplace or SIO, and they're not meant to offer medical advice. The information, opinions, and recommendations in this podcast are for general information only. Before making any changes in your healthcare or lifestyle, please discuss with your healthcare provider. Today, we're going to be speaking with Bina Patel, who's an oncology physician assistant turned health and empowerment coach. She's a yoga teacher and a Reiki healer. Uh, she's also the founder of the yoga movement, and she really is very passionate about empowering people um, to tap into their own healing spirit. And today, we're going to be touching on a lot of uh, topics, including her own journey as a healer uh, and her own personal story. But then we'll talk more about her experience as an advanced practice provider in integrative oncology as well as a yoga therapist why she decided to branch out on her own, and about health coaching and uh, its impact potentially in cancer care. We'll also chat with Bina about what it was like to be diagnosed with cancer at a young age and as a woman of, of color of South Asian descent, just to learn about her experience and her impressions and what she learned going through that experience and how that really affected her and helped uh, inspire her on this journey. So please enjoy this episode. Hi, Bina. How are you? Good, Santosh. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you and just everything that, that you bring and also your experience. So let's get, let's get into it. I don't know where you want to start, but I figure I'll let you tell your story. And if you want, you can go back as, as far as, as you want to, you know, before your training and then, and then what really got you started on the track that you're on. Yeah. Um, so my journey first started out when I was 21 years old and was diagnosed with cancer after a week-long trip to Montreal where, you know, celebrating college and graduation and instead, you know, drinking and eating a lot for, for full transparency and thought maybe I gained a few pounds and instead saw that my weight had dropped by five pounds, which kind of alarmed me. And so I had a physical exam at the time being routinely done because I was going to physician assistant school, like starting with the grad program. And when I mentioned to the doctor, like, oh yeah, by the way, I actually lost five pounds in a week. And I really wasn't thinking much of it, even though I was kind of alarmed, you know, sometimes stressful things happen and we kind of push it to the back burner and try to minimize yeah. it. But she she felt my my thyroid and she said, I think we should um, get it checked out. And even then, I wasn't really thinking much of it. But one test led to another. And eventually, they ended up doing a biopsy. And I was then diagnosed with papillary thyroid cancer, which is pretty common in women in their 40s. 
um, but not so much in a woman, in a woman who's in her twenties. And so obviously when the doctor told me this and just how, um, you know, we need to get this removed as soon as possible, it was really alarming. And I was in physician assistant school at the time. And when you're learning about all these things and different conditions and treatments, it just, it opened my eyes up to what it's like to be a clinician and yes, have the power to do a history and physical exam, diagnose a patient, talk about the different treatment options, but a totally different experience when you're in the patient seat and actually being on the receiving end of the news, understanding you know that this is a very uncertain process, even though they're telling you this is what it's going to be like to get the treatment. This is what your life's going to be like. No one knows except the patient, especially since every patient's body is different. You don't know what it's going to be like. And so I think when people think of cancer, the first word that comes to their mind is death usually, and mm. it has a negative connotation. And for me, it was the first time in my life that I felt that I was going through something almost like a portal that was bigger than a physical diagnosis. It truly was a spiritual awakening for me. Um, that also showed me that there are many gaps in our healthcare system where, in my personal experience, getting passed off and dismissed easily based on some of the recurring symptoms I was talking about. If you can kind of share with us also, you know, you're, um, you're South Asian, you know, and um, you were 21, as you mentioned, how did that color your experience in your, in your mind, you know, looking back? Yeah. So it definitely taught me that women, especially women of color are not taken seriously right off the bat. Um, I commonly found that a lot of different physicians would tell me I was being too dramatic without saying it. They would just be like, you're overthinking this process um, or these symptoms are normal, even though they were recurring for like six to 12 months after. So they and thought it was psychosomatic or something. Psychosomatic, exactly. And I kept repeating the same things. I thought maybe it's the way that I'm speaking it. Maybe I'm saying it in a way that's not getting across to them. But I, you know, when you have, when you're looking at someone and telling them how you feel, and then they just turn back to the computer and like, they're shaking their head, you just know you're not being well received. You know, you got kind of turned on to integrative medicine uh, during that, that time. Was that because of things that you experienced and how it helped you? Or was it about kind of how you kind of had this impression of healthcare and what's messed up and what, what we're not doing? Yes. So I, like I mentioned before, I kept speaking to my physicians about recurring symptoms I had. And when I saw that one of my symptoms was mental fog, like, you know, you have mental fog when you're the type of person who goes to the library every single week, you're able to reread information and just have it in your head. By the time you get to exam, even if you didn't see the questions, you would just be able to jot everything down. That's how like beautiful my memory was at that time. And I kept speaking to what I thought was mental fog, which it was. It just felt like something was looming over my head. And no matter what I read, I couldn't remember or recall what I had just read five minutes before that. And it became a problem because I was in PA school and obviously couldn't perform well on my exams after the surgery. And I will say I take accountability because that was probably my window to step out of PA school at the time rather than being a gunner and just trying to go back into it. So I take accountability for that. But when I kept sharing this with um, different providers on the medical team, they said that that doesn't really linger past the first couple of weeks after surgery. And for me, I can tell you that for the next six to 12 months, I used to fall asleep anywhere and everywhere. It didn't matter what time of the day. My friends noted it. My family noted it. We could be in the middle of conversation. I would fall asleep. Mental fog, I would ask them the same questions like, what were you speaking about? And they were like, were you not listening? And I'm very empathic and I listen very well, but clearly there was a change. And so after they made a bunch of adjustments to the hormonal replacement therapy, which is used to supplement the hormone. And so I would say 
maybe six months after that, I finally decided, you know, one day I was like, I'm going to try yoga. I've heard so many good things. And through a yoga, a meditation session, which I've technically started yoga since I was eight, but forgot about it because life, obviously. And I just felt like a different person. I felt really connected to my body. I felt like there was something greater than me helping me. And for the first time, I felt like I was present and grounded. Like if someone were to have a conversation with me, I could speak to them to exactly what they were experiencing. And that was an effect that I didn't have from treatment. And so I realized at that point that there is some medicine to this other part of healing. And maybe it's not just about medicine alone. Yeah, that's that's really, really interesting. We often, um, I think, you know, many people have kind of this brain fog and we're learning more about it, obviously, with things like chemo. But I'll say that unless you really ask, many people don't tell you. Um, yeah. It's sometimes things that people just kind of like, um, like patients in particular, just uh, just live with, and and it's sometimes subtle or it's a little bit mild. But but if you ask, they'll be like, yeah, I don't feel like I'm as sharp, um, or it might be work related. So it's interesting because for you, you had such a good memory, and suddenly you're feeling like this. I find this really interesting though, because you know, with the yoga, what do you think shifted in you? So you know, you're explaining a situation where you you hadn't gotten chemo. And yet, I, I would assume with yoga and meditation, did you just start kind of shifting into some alignment where your focus came into place? Like, tell me about what that felt like and and what do you feel was going on from a yoga perspective? That's a really good question. I think for me personally, it was inner alignment and also realizing how disconnected my soul and spirit had become from my body. And I know a lot of times in medicine, we think of a person's disease or whatever they're experiencing through as purely a physical thing. Not everyone, but you know, a lot of it, that's been the norm that we've been trained with. So that's kind of all we know. But I think more and more people are waking up to this idea of looking at a person's holistic well-being and the spiritual aspect the, you know, really understanding a person's soul that also comes into the picture. And for me, it was the first time I really just felt completely present in the moment. Like whatever I was experiencing, I could sit there and be with it rather than feeling like I need to dismiss whatever I'm experiencing and just, you know, kind of bypass the process. And by doing that, I felt that whatever I was experiencing, I could also release. It's not like I was holding on to the pain or the emotions. It's like, I could just sit there, be with it and let it go if that makes sense. And to me, that really is feeling connected in your body because when you're connected in your body, you feel everything. It's not about like, oh, I'm having this. What can you prescribe me? And then just moving on with life. It's like actually experiencing it and then being able to move forward with your life. And for me, that just made me feel like, okay, I can choose to do this. I feel empowered in my body right now. And that's like nothing I've ever experienced before. So how much of this do you feel like was a, was a spiritual thing? You know, I mean, emotionally, were you were you depressed or you know i mean did is that something that the yoga really helped with or was it more just this sense of being connected and feeling like something had shifted for you because it seems like yeah. you know and also how long did it take for you to start feeling this way was it right away was it something that you started experiencing and you need to stick with the yoga you know cuz many times it'll be something different for for everybody what resonates with them yeah 
I would say for me, it's both. I was a bit depressed after everything happened, mainly because it felt like no, like no one understood me. Mm-hmm. And every time I was trying to speak to different things, getting dismissed over and over again makes you feel like maybe you're going crazy. Maybe people aren't seeing you. People can't feel what you're going through. And so it was just like a, you know, like a negative loop. And um, by the time I did yoga, I would say it was more than just the spiritual aspect. It was really feeling emotionally connected and feeling like this mental weight just got lifted off of me. Like it it really, Mm -hmm. it does, I know we'll get into it, but it really does help clear any energetic blockages in the body and feeling that weight just be released. It's like you come out of the practice feeling so powerful and also so much lighter. You got inspired, obviously. Yeah. So tell me what happened next in your career and, and how this really kind of, you know, you still did um, the uh, physician assistant program, right? Yeah. And then um, how did how did your career take off from there? Yeah. So my experience seeing how I was treated as a patient made me realize that you're right. Like emotional intelligence is something that gets cultivated over time with a lot of people and different people come from different places. But I think it shook me up so deeply that I realized we do need more people who have experienced this to be able to help other people on their own healing journey. And so right away after that whole experience, I would ask other people, like my colleagues, are you getting a lot of cancer patients on your rotation? They're like, not really. So I noticed the sign and one thing led to another. And when I actually did a rotation oncology, I knew like, this is my place. Like I remember when I had my rotation Memorial Sloan, I knew hands down that at one point I wanted to work at one of the top cancer institutions. And I, I think that the experience was the catalyst I needed to propel me in the direction where I could make the most positive impact. Because there is something to be said about someone who's undergone the journey, understands what things are like from the patient perspective, and to be able to provide a guiding hand for these people as they go through their own uh, healing process. You know, you're a very experienced yoga therapist, and you've also been a Reiki healer. So how did that all kind of take root? And when did it become? And you've worked at Columbia, right? Was where you were working. Uh, And how did that kind of, you know, inform your, your practice there? Yeah. So at Columbia, I noticed that there were some patients who would inquire about Reiki therapy. They, they'd they have the healing sessions done prior to coming to the hospital. So that intrigued me because I would see certain patients have like the same treatment protocol, but someone who was receiving, whether it was Reiki or meditation, it felt like they were more empowered over their treatment journey and had a better mindset. And that led me to believe like there is something to energy healing and this other alternative form of healing. And that inspired me. I worked with a chaplain at Columbia myself. He's absolutely phenomenal. And from that experience, when I went over to Memorial Sloan, they actually had a bigger integrative medicine program. And I noticed that patients who received music therapy, massages, uh, Reiki healing, whatever they wanted, they felt so much more positive about their journey. They really felt, they looked forward to integrative medicine because it was like, you're not being identified by your diagnosis in that moment. Like you come back to yourself, to your spirit. Like, what do I like to do? Do I like music? Do I like art? I can participate in that right now. And I think that's where the mix-up sometimes happens. There's research that shows us too, that many patients, once they get diagnosed, they feel identified by the cancer and that's what makes them feel disconnected from their body. And so when I saw that patients who were receiving integrated medicine as a complementary part of their, their treatment approach, that they were doing better and feeling more positive about their journey, that there is something to be said about that. And so personally for me, that plus a personal story, my aunt 
she passed away unexpectedly in 2018 from a mishap uh, for an from an outpatient procedure that led to septic shock within like 48 hours. Wow. And that experience shocked me to my very core and taught me that there were certain things, part of the management that, that I learned about her treatment plan could have been prevented. And it made me realize that if we have more people who are centered within themselves, I'm talking about providers, and this isn't to shame anyone. I know we're humans and things happen. I get it. I'm a clinician too. But if we have more people who are centered, who are coming from a grounded place and are present to every patient that they're taking care of, we could have probably prevented some of these things that happen, unfortunately, especially sepsis. And so that led me on a journey of becoming a yoga teacher. I no longer wanted to just be practicing this. I felt that I was meant to teach it. And I had patients who told me, you're meant to do bigger things with this. And that's how Reiki healing and everything else unfolded. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I so much agree with everything you're saying because, um, you know, it's you bring into this, you know, your whole self, right? And yeah. and um, it's, you know, we talk about about burnout, about training. But a lot of it is is that we also, all of us who are engaged in caregiving, uh, whether you're a family member or whether you're a professional, whatever, it's important to take care of yourself so that you can be at your best, just like you know any other um, line of work. Or if you're taking a test, for example, you know you need a good night's sleep so that you can perform right. well. It's the same when you're interacting with patients because we're we're human. And you just need to be at your best, you know, and, and be centered, like you said. And then, like I said before, I mean, I, I would tell anybody, you have to also work on your own spirit, your motivation, your emotional intelligence. And one of the things I love about um, about the kind of work that we're in is just how many people you meet. And that yeah. ups your emotional intelligence if you're listening, because you can hear people's stories and, and learn you know, very quickly from others about, you know, about life and about journeys and things like that. So you're getting all these patients telling you you're meant for, you know, great things. And, and, <laughs> and, and so how did that, how did that, so when did you start uh, incorporating yoga therapy and, and was that all at Columbia or I know you've, um, you've been a consultant, you've done things outside of, of yeah. the academic setting as well. Yeah. So I would say at Columbia, I had started doing some mini yoga sessions with patients even before I got certified, just things that I knew were easy to do, breath work, meditation. And what's really fascinating is that I had several patients who it looked like they were on the on the way to us calling code, like a rapid response. And mm -hmm. you know, their their heart rate's going up, their respiratory rate's going up, they're hyperventilating. I would go into the room and before anything is done, obviously, you know, the nurses would come in, everyone would come and do their part, get the EKG ready, the pulse ox, everything's being monitored. But I would just look at the patient, keep calm as best as I can, because we know that when we're alarmed, patients get alarmed too. And so I'd keep as calm as possible and then look at the patient and tell them to take a few deep breaths. That was always my go-to. Hmm. I kid you not, there was this one case where a woman was really hyperventilating and the tech was getting really nervous. I went into the room and as the pulse ox is being monitored, respiratory rate, heart rate, everything, everything is up and oxygen is going low. And as I'm talking to her and just having conversation, she also had a little bit of dementia. She starts talking about her life and what she's been experiencing. Everything starts normalizing on the monitor. Wow. I even asked the tech, is this for real? Like, is this, is this real right now? He goes, this is real time. Everything is plugged in. 
I literally watched like the heart rate come down from 200s down to 70s. 80s. I mean, that's fascinating to me as as somebody who's who's been in a lot of code situations in the past. First of all, that they allowed you in that space. It's kind of a very crowded, sometimes a chaotic uh, space. And I think one of the most important things, I think that's really helpful for the practitioners because, you know, the main thing, if there's an emergency like that, is to remain calm and right. to keep to keep yourself, um, you know, kind of uh, aware and, and making good decisions. And there's usually somebody who's leading it and it's a very choreographed thing if it's done well. Right. So I, I think that's great that they that they would let you be part of that um, and not push you aside, so to speak, because it sounds like it was very therapeutic. But it's probably good for the for the other practitioners too, just to have you there. Um, you know, if you were speaking out loud, yeah. it might have helped them and stuff. I, I find that interesting. Yeah, it makes everyone calm. I really feel that's energy. Energy is transferable. And if you bring that energy, people can feel it. And then what about the Reiki? So Reiki, I went into end of 2019. So it's not something I really got into at Columbia. I was doing it myself, but not on patients. And then by the time I got to Memorial Sloan, once you once you get developed in Reiki and other healing modalities, you don't necessarily have to touch the patients. You can, if you want to, that's definitely part of it. Some people do like the healing touch, but it can be transferable just by being in your presence. So I would have patients just talk to me and I would ask them, what do you need? What are you experiencing? Just have a conversation within five, 10 minutes. They, they would say whatever I was experiencing, it just feels, it feels gone. So tell me uh, a little bit more or tell our audience at least a little bit more about how did you, um, because there may be people hearing this and say, what do you mean by your presence? And, you know, as a as somebody who, you know, did yoga, trained in, in Reiki, you know, what was that transformation, you know, in terms yeah. of this presence you're talking about, your uh, centeredness, what went into that? And what is what is that? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. More? So when we talk about body, we often say physical body to me, and I'm sure you know this too, but there's also an energy body. And so our energy body or what we like to call like our energetic field carries so much. It carries our entire, what we call programming, the beliefs that we've grown up with from society, from our parents, things that we believe about ourselves to be true. And a lot of these things are not actually true. They could be some traumatic event that happened in childhood and it gets repressed because what, what, what happens if you have a parent or a caregiver who tells you don't cry or don't get emotional, you repress that emotion. And so a lot of these limiting beliefs get tucked underneath and are suppressed and people don't uncover it until they go through things like therapy or coaching or Reiki healing, whatever it is for them. And so a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, I was around this person and the energy just felt off. I felt really heavy. It's what people are exuding that they naturally send out like a signal to the universe, to the world, to everyone around them. So whether you're saying anything or just being silent, people can feel that aura and that presence or that energy around you. And so for me, when I went through my Reiki certification, it brought up all my stuff. Everything that needed to be cleared got cleared out for the next 21 days. It's like you're going through a purge to the point where I started having fevers that I knew were not related to act something physically going on in my body. As in like, I went to the doctor, got checked up. They didn't find anything. And I realized they, it was just a lot of, like a lot of toxins, a lot of stuff just being released. And in order to release it, you kind of, it, it comes off as fevers and feeling tired and fatigued. It can, it can be related to physical symptoms, but there's an energetic root and energetic cause. And so 
patients, I wouldn't go through the whole process explaining every little thing, but patients would just feel the the healing in my aura by just having a conversation with them and making sure I keep my field clean. Because if I don't keep my field clean, I can't hold space for what they're experiencing. Now, I could feel, I mean, so we have talked a lot and I, I wanted you to talk about this because we uh, agree on a lot of these things. And at the same time, it's, it's very difficult sometimes um, as somebody, I, I have uh, had my own experience with you know meditation and healing and all this stuff. And what I found is that uh, I, I often don't talk about it because um, especially going through medical training, it's one of these things where, um, you know, I'll say this. First of all, there's research now in what we call coherence, that if you're with somebody who's calm, who's positive, that can have an effect on somebody in the same room. And if it's the opposite and somebody's really angry and stuff, it can have a negative effect on people. So we're, we're, we're seeing scientific effects of, of coherence. But there's all this research in consciousness and there's interest in biofield therapies. And at the same time, it's not something that even, you know, even in 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 groups of, of integrative practitioners, we often still don't talk about it. So poorly understood, you know, just for people who are listening, when we think about biofield therapies, this is something that has been talked about in cultures around the world for thousands of years. You know, in India, they talk about prana and, you know, in Eastern uh, cultures, East Asian, they talk about chi or ki and other other cultures as well. So it's, and it's it's not something that's just a, a token kind of conversation. It's actually at the root of health where the mind and body interact. And there's often, it's dis- discussed in spiritual terms sometimes. And for people like yourself who are very attuned to this, there are some people in my experience who are very sensitive and the other people who, you know, it doesn't make any sense and they may not feel it, right? So for those people who are very attuned to this, and I was a little bit, I was definitely like that as well. I had my own experience of going to doctors and feeling like symptoms that I couldn't explain. I would talk to people and people thought I was just crazy. And it's only after some time that I can analyze this again. Again, I wouldn't be able to explain this to somebody who's not intuitive in this area, but I know what happened and I can explain it from an energetic phenomenon. And it's just one of those things I have to kind of keep quiet about it because what I find, and this is something else that, you know, we have discussed in the past. I think that, you know, we should be as scientific as possible. And I, I was a physics major. So I was always interested in the physics of some of these things. And there's actually some very interesting physics research on some of the things we're talking about. It's not just voodoo. There's some real um, things happening on on a deep level in ways we don't quite understand. And I think the problem that I find is that we've gotten to a place in medicine where there is a lot known, and yet there's a bit of this closed-mindedness of anything that we can't explain. It's like we know everything, even though there's a burst of information coming all the time. When it comes, there's something that kind of, you know, doesn't quite fit with our, our worldview, it's, it's, it's gotten harder and harder to challenge that, even though many people feel benefits with, with Reiki and, and meditation. And we can explain a lot of these things in various ways, but it's very difficult to talk about it concretely. And what I personally feel, it's good we're having this conversation, because normally I feel like in a personal conversation, you can talk about these things. But I think that we often will just suppress any kind of conversation with anything that 
happens to be personal experience, whether it's the religious experience, energy, whatever. But if you actually talk to people, there are many people, cancer patients, etc., who have experiences that you know we could all, whether you believe everything or you interpret it however you want. But I think that we have this habit of just kind of suppressing that. In in my experience, I don't know if yeah. you agree. I I do agree, and I will say I think. There is such a thing as clinician intuition, which I think more people are coming around to really understanding that some things can't be fully explained, but they have a gut feeling like this is what they need to do. And it ends up being the right thing to do. But I will also say, I think the reason people are uncomfortable with things that they can't scientifically explain is because you can't use your logical mind to rationalize it. And that makes people uncomfortable. And also, if you haven't actually cultivated self-awareness to know yourself on that deep energetic level, it's difficult to meet someone else in that level. So if you can't open up that conversation with yourself, how can you do it with another person? I, I agree. And I also think it's hard as a practitioner because there's many times where I question myself. You know, I've done energy healing yeah. myself. And if there's no good rational way to describe this, you often find yourself questioning yourself. It becomes kind of difficult. You know, I had this story I'll just share with, <laughs> with our audience as well, where um, I was working in the ER or I was admitting patients to the hospital. This is a long time ago. And it was the middle of the night. And I had this woman who had ovarian cancer um, and it was two in the morning and I was very busy. And she came with her husband with pain that was not controlled with narcotics. And she came in to, to get controlled of her pain. And I was not an oncologist at the time. And her and her husband were like, what can you do for me? And I, really my only answer was more narcotics, but she had constipation and nausea and she said, no. And I had to go upstairs. I had a patient who had a gastrointestinal bleed upstairs. So I was stuck, okay, two in the morning. And I looked around and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I said, give me 30 minutes. I can take care of your pain. Why I was so confident, I don't know. But I explained what I was going to do. And I was very sure. I was. I said, you know, I can I can help you. Just give me 30 minutes. And I did. I did, um, I did healing touch or Reiki and I could feel uh, whatever I was feeling. That, that there was some balance that that I felt and I felt everything. I was not surprised afterwards. I just left after that. I'm like, I got to go. So I did it and I rarely do that in, at work, but I did it. And then I checked on her the next morning and she said that was the first time she slept in three months. And they, wow. asked, me to, they asked me to move in with them, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't take them up on. But you know, I, I, for a long time, I never even told anybody about that. And I remember I told somebody in the oncology field, just, you know, I was trying to explain this very moving experience and they just blew it off. They said, oh, it's probably placebo. And I just felt like, you know, there's just, there was so much that went into that experience, so much training, so much life experience I put into that. It was such a real thing that I, I obviously I didn't have a video camera or something, but I was being honest. And so easily we dismiss these things instead of just saying, you know, wow, that's amazing, right? Maybe yeah. I should learn something about that. It's just, there's this closed-mindedness, like, hey, you know, that's nothing. So I find that that makes you not want to talk about it, <laughs> in my opinion. But um, but it's good that we do. Yeah. So tell me about health coaching. So what are you doing now? So you, you basically, you worked at Columbia, you got lots of experience. And then uh, after that, um, you started branching off on your own, right? And right. doing yoga and healing sessions, right? Yes. So tell me what you're doing now, because I think, you know, that's also really 
interesting is you've taken all that experience and you've gotten into um, you know health empowerment, especially when it comes to women's health. So I want to hear about that. Yeah, thank you. So also, I just want to share that even though some people can pass off things based on whatever their experiences are, my hope or vision is that in the future, we're going to have more providers who are actually open-minded with this because I think pandemic kind of open people's perspectives that there has to be more. Like a lot of people started going on retreats and doing this deeper self inner exploration with things that were coming up for them during the lockdown. My hope is that more people are going to understand, actually, there are benefits of this. I don't need to know the explanation as to why, but if it works for me, then so it is, you know, but um, it, that's a beautiful story about that patient. I, I just want to say. So for me with health coaching, it actually all came together in 2020 during the lockdown. I was, um, we moved from all clinic to part clinic and part telehealth and everything shifted online, which I'm sure you can recall too. And I noticed a lot of patients weren't getting educated properly. I had limited time with patients even more. Like you would think it would be easier just to speak to people on the phone, but there was so much miscommunication. And so during that time, I realized it doesn't even matter how many times you speak to a patient you only have so much time with them to clarify if they actually receive the information properly too, if they really understand what their care looks like. And so I started looking into health coaching and I realized that what makes health coaching a little bit different or really different from the way most of medicine is um, implemented is that with health coaching, there's a lot more collaboration I find between the provider and patient. We have collaboration in healthcare too, but I think with health coaching, Patients actually enjoy having an outside space where they can feel free to be themselves and not just talk about the physical symptoms and diagnosis. That's what I found in my personal experience. What is your experience with how the landscape of like what can be accomplished with health coaching? What's the landscape? Because you're working with different, um, not just on your own, right? You're working as a consultant with academic centers uh, as well, correct? Right, right. So I think for me, I will share that when I worked at Columbia, they had a health coach there that was part of the wellness program for employees. I didn't see implemented for patients, at least not in my department. That was so helpful for me because you could take like a 30 minute break, have an appointment with the health coach, and then she would do a 10 minute meditation session with you, just checking like, how's your diet and exercise been? How do you feel about your lifestyle in the hospital, your patient load, all these things, just having that mental space to clear your head out and speak to someone outside of your department is life-changing. And it got me thinking like, what if we did this for patients? Like people having a clinical pharmacist on site, right? Every team has their own clinical pharmacist. What if we did that with a health coach, a person not specifically telling you, oh, this is what you need for your diet. This is what you need for your exercise, but just listening to people and counseling them on maybe where the unmet needs are. Like, what don't you understand about your treatment plan? Where can we close the gaps? And I know social work is really helpful in this, but there's something to be said about health coaching because you still have that clinical background, but you're not going in there, just spitting clinical knowledge at patients. You're actually holding a lot more space just to be present with them so that they can speak up for whatever they need, if that makes sense. And I think I think that would be life-changing if we could implement that in more hospitals and institutions. I mean, do you see that happening right now? Or I think that more people are starting to understand the importance of wellness, but I, I don't know that that's going to happen in the near future in a lot of hospitals. I think more people are focusing on wellness for their employees, which is also important. Um, but I think for, in terms of patient care, maybe not so much, but I think the upside of that is that 
a lot of patients, at least I know like my clients, they actually enjoy speaking to someone not in the hospital, not in institutions, like a safe space outside of their identity in the hospital to just share things that they want to freely speak about. I mean, do you have a sense of, you know, this has come up in the field of integrative medicine in, yeah. and I've spoken with other people who, you know, really value health coaching. Um, yeah. Do you feel like it's kind of like taking off right now? I mean, do you, are there a lot of people doing this? Is it mostly outside of the hospital clinical setting? Or or have you heard, you know, of, of more kind of like this, this is a real movement within healthcare? I would say that's a really good question. But in my personal experience, I think health coaching is really prominent, but it's not really moving forward as much in hospitals. I would say that there are companies like Parsley Health and different clinics, especially in LA and some in New York that are starting to do strictly holistic medicine, integrated medicine. Like if you're coming in, they're doing the flood full, excuse me, full blood work panel and checking everything out. But I don't know so much about in hospitals. I don't think that's their number one priority. And then if you're a patient, how do you know uh, who a good coach might be? That's that's a really good question. I would say I'm taking myself back to when I was in that seat. I would say that the best way to assess a good health coach is, first of all, do you feel comfortable sharing whatever you want to share with them? What is their experience like? What are the things that they're going to be teaching you? I'll, I'll share an example. If I were to go to someone right now, the last person I would want for myself is someone who's telling me, this is what you should do for food. Like this should be your diet. This should be your exercise. Why? I know that that doesn't work for most people. Um, and that most people are starting to follow things like intuitive eating, really checking with their body rather than feeling like you have to eradicate some things from your diet or restrict yourself instead implementing a lifestyle that actually feels like it's adding to your lifestyle and, you know, makes you feel liberated in your body and whatever you choose. So I would say for patients, feel comfortable, but it all really starts with you being comfortable with your body first. When you know your body, you'll feel expansive when you're around the right person. When you're even around the right provider and they're listening to you, you feel heard, you feel safe. Do you have any you know, stories or examples that you can give us about how this made a difference in someone's life? I'll share a patient story when I was in working at Memorial Sloan, and then I'll share a story about a client. So in Memorial Sloan, I had one patient who, I don't know how to describe him, but he was just like this amazing man. He had leukemia and he was going through a stem cell transplant. And he kept, every time I went into the room, he would just like, kind of look at me and just be like, like, he would just kind of like shake his head. And I'm like, this guy's kind of weird. Like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> but you know, he's my patient, got to know him. And I, I offered him one time, cause he said he was undergoing a lot of anxiety, um, prior to a stem cell transplant. So I said, let's do a meditation. And I remember one day I was working really late and it was around 10 o'clock at night. I went to his room. He was already in bed. So I thought he would say no, but this guy like jetted out of bed. He's like, no, I'm ready. He was like, I've been waiting. Let's do it. So we did a 20 minute meditation. And I remember, you know, sometimes I'm sure you've led people through this too. It's like you come out of the healing and you're ready, but the person's still in the zone. He slowly came out of it and he goes, whoa. He was like, how did someone so young, like have this gift. I mean, I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, just through this session, I know that I'm meant to do so much more after he was like, I'm ready to, I don't know the exact words, but he said, basically said that he's ready to get through the entire healing process so that he can come out on the other side and donate a lot. Like he wanted to be mission driven in his life, not doing what he was doing before mission driven and donating to a lot of different charities, especially for cancer research. And he said that whatever we did together, it just 
created a fire with him within him that motivated him to do something bigger for other people. Like it wasn't just about him anymore. The cancer wasn't just for him. It was something that was meant to help other people too. That's beautiful. That's really powerful. And he actually was one of the patients who told me like, you're on the plane to something higher. And I'm like, thank you so much, but I'm really just trying to listen to your lungs right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was the other story? And the other story is just, this is, um, a story just to give people an idea of how energetic roots can be tied to bigger things. So I had a client who came to me strictly about her dating life. And she said, you know, she's in the field of medicine and she was like, I'm just struggling with the dating world. It doesn't feel like anything is working. And she said the last thing that tipped her onto the other side was that she ended up getting a tremor, which is really uncomfortable because she would go on the dates and then her head would start bobbing. Hmm. So she's in medicine. So she obviously went to neurology. She got MRI, everything checked out. They didn't find anything. And they said that maybe they can give her like a, a small dose of a beta blocker to just help her calm down if she ever needed it. She could use it as needed. But she said, I really want to get to the root cause of it. So we ended up doing energy healing sessions. I coached her. And by the end of our time together, it didn't completely eradicate, but it went away to a really great degree that she didn't notice it. And she said, even on some dates that she went to, like it very minimally, like her head just very minimally bobbed to one side or the other. And a lot of it was because it was stress related. It was stress induced from cultural programming, feeling like she needs to date a guy and get married tomorrow. And all that stress was creating, you know, it was creating stress in her body. And she was just feeling stressed out everywhere she went. It infiltrated into her work and infiltrated into her dating world. And when she finally released a lot of that anxiety, it's like she could feel whole in her body. And it naturally, the the tremor naturally and drastically reduced on its own through the healing. So it's like, we, we often think of symptoms or the diagnosis, like, oh, I'm having this symptom. Um, I'm feeling really nervous. I'm feeling really stressed out. Well, why are you feeling that? I think that's what's really important. Why are you feeling? Because someone who is depressed can go on antidepressant. You can take them off of it. Then they start feeling like withdrawal symptoms and they want to get right back on it. We're not tending to the main cause. Why are you feeling depressed? If you're Mm -hmm. addicted, why are you addicted? Mm -hmm. Isn't to shame anyone, but it's just to show us that holistic approach really looks at people from like a full perspective lens. You're not just looking at them for their diagnosis. You're looking at something deeper. Like, okay, I see that you have cancer, but let's go into a little bit more of your lifestyle, your childhood. What are the different things that are coming up? Because it all impacts one another. Mind, body, medicine, we know it's all related. Well, I think that, you know, there are so many people want to feel connected. And I think one of the challenges with cancer is this natural feeling of being disconnected, you know, and, and it's an existential crisis in a way. And I think in medicine, we often can exacerbate that. It's like, you know, you obviously can probably speak to this much better than I can, but just, um, just kind of almost disconnecting you from your body. Hey, we're, we're going to do all these things and you're going to come out of it and, uh, and move on with your life kind of thing. And that can be just so traumatic for people. Right. And so there's so many people who really are looking for the treatment and healing you know, which is kind of the stuff you're talking about. And, and it's stuff that we need to continue to, um, to learn about and, and listen to stories, listen to cultural wisdom, and, and ultimately learn more about ourselves. You know, yeah. I mean, I've had some of these experiences, you've had some of these experiences, many people have. And that's not to tell other people, hey, you need to do this, that, and the other. And these are all, you know, necessarily, quote unquote, evidence-based. I don't think that's what we're saying. And at the same time, um, 
you know, I've always taken the the path that, you know, try to be practical. Ultimately, there's the there's the big picture where you're talking about you know things that can be done on a on a scale where you're talking about uh, you know healthcare in general and cancer care. But when you're dealing with an individual person, I think it's important to kind of to have some intuition to meet them where they are. And that's just as valuable as as a study or something else where, and we all have stories like that, that, you know, yeah. if you keep talking about it, then it gives us more context, I think. Um, and I it gives agree. you also more experience because if you do it, I've, I've taken that approach and it sounds like you have as well. If you, the more you do it, the more comfortable you feel with your own spirit as, as a healer, you know, which is Absolutely. ultimately what most of us want to be. Right. And I truly believe at the core, we are all healers. I, I really think everyone has this gift or whatever you want to call it. I don't think it's something that's for the few chosen ones. I think it's innately within all of us, but we sometimes just forget that because it's not what we've been taught. <laughs> right. Well, thanks so much for sharing. And um, of course, you really have this kind of force of nature kind of feel about <laughs> you. I'm I'm excited to see where, where you, you take this and um you know, just all success to you and thank you. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. And thank you for being a mentor. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Take care and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye.